This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. So in uh, preparing uh, any series uh, for a, a month or season, uh, sometimes you begin with a theme or a story, uh, and you flesh in where we want to go with it, the themes that you pull out. But as that month draws closer, and as those weeks uh, come in, things happen in the world that become an integral part of the story that we explore in church. We touched a little bit last week in the message about the events of Charlottesville. And here on this holy ground, we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. And I I want to invite all of us in to this conversation, recognizing that Wesley, John Wesley in Methodism, has something that we call holy conversation. It's when we sit in community and we talk and we share And we recognize that if you weren't in that circle, if you weren't part of that holy conversation for that moment, you really didn't get the opportunity to hear and be transformed, to speak and be heard. And so as we enter into a holy conversation today, I want you to breathe in what you can of it. Release what you cannot. And be courageous in your life in bringing this holy conversation to the people that you love, to the people you may disagree with, and to the people that you may be right in there with. Yes, my people, you get me. Because our families are full of people that don't get us. And sometimes you have to find family where you can. And sometimes you can feel very silenced in some communities. And we're going to experience all that today. We're not immune from what every family experiences in conversation. So Jacob's ladder in preying on this um, story this week, <clears throat> and this idea of holy ground, and what can make ground holy? I remembered when I was 18, and I flew to my own homeland. I'm a, my mother was born in Aberdeen, Scotland. I myself uh, am Scots uh, by, on my mother's side, and I was born in England. Um, and returning to Scotland at 18, we had left when I was very young, um, I got a chance to see it, the lochs. Uh, my aunt, was a, 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 she sold um, tour books, and so she toured around. And I remember coming to a place called Glencoe, And some of you might know Glencoe, but others may not. It's these two sort of bluish, green, misty mountains. They're not really mountains by by the Rockies' standards. They come down, and there's a loch, and there's this brown and green carpet of marsh and grass. This was the site of one of the most infamous massacres in Scottish history 
though it happened hundreds of years ago in the 1600s, it is remembered today. There was the clan MacDonald, and they ruled the islands. And there was a new king pressing forward. And there was an uneasy, one might say, non-existent alliance between the two. Soldiers were sent in and housed among the clan MacDonald to wait for orders. When the orders came, it was to exterminate the clan. Robert Campbell was the man who was the soldier in charge who was the unfortunate person who got to give that order. And what happened next was the McDonald's died in their sleep, houses were burned, women and children forced out into the cold where they died of exposure. Standing there, it wasn't like that happened in 1600s. It was like it happened right there, right now, in the grass. I could see it. I could feel it. I could feel the ghosts, the wind of it. I haven't been to Gettysburg, but when I hear the reports from people who have, their stories are very like that, that just being in that place, the ghosts rise up. There is no argument that that is holy ground. Magnificent, terrible, holy ground. Places where people fought, died, lost themselves. Jacob has fled his family because he has done something very wrong. He has caused his brother tremendous pain, regardless of whether his brother was foolish or not. Doesn't matter. Jacob still did what Jacob did. Jacob and Esau were twins. Even in their mother's womb, they fought back and forth, vied for territories. A lot of territory in there. <laughs> Poor Jacob's mom, Rebecca, she lamented, why did this have to happen to me? This is going to be what it's like. No turning back in some places. She had these two beautiful boys, and they were so different, and God said, you have two nations in there. And like a good mother, I hope God said they should learn to get along. But they had an uneasy brotherhood. And there was Jacob, the second born, born holding on to the heel of his brother Esau, wishing with all his heart that he had been first. And there was Esau, the rugged mountain man, who wasn't really all that concerned about where he was. In the here and now was where he wanted to be. And so while Jacob schemed, Esau hunted, and Jacob schemed away his inheritance and schemed away his father's blessing. And Esau hurt over that. It's not okay to steal your brother's blessing, but that is what Jacob did. And Esau, we are told, wept bitterly. And then he vowed vengeance. And, e and Jacob was on the run for his life. And you know it had to be bad because to stay, uh, if 
in order to stay because to be on the run was pretty much certain death anyway. Where's the well you're going to drink out of in that desert? Being in the desert meant that you were vulnerable to what they believed at the time were be angry attacking spirits. What were you going to eat? Esau was the one that could go into the wilderness and hunt and stay alive, not Jacob. Jacob liked Nintendo. We talked about this last week. You hear that wind? What is that? Is that the, is that the air conditioner? <laughs> Woo! All right. So the spirits in the wilderness would have been fairly terrifying, don't you think? Think about that when you're watching the eclipse today. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Jacob comes to a wilderness place. That's all he's got is himself. The darkness has fallen. He takes a stone and lays it down and rests his head on it. His life is literally in darkness. I thought about this, and I thought about the way on the Eclipse Monday, one of the amazing things that's going to happen is that the moon is going to move in front of the sun. And for a short time, it's going to seem as if the sun is in danger. Right? I mean, what was it like to be an ancient long ago and wonder about these two gods in the sky, the moon and the sun, and what they might be getting up to all of a sudden as one creeps in front of the other? Do they understand that these are two distant, these two points at a distance, so they're not really going to collide? Or does it seem like a cosmic collision for which the sun and everything is good is going to be blotted out. As I am Jacob watching the sun set, am I not unlike someone long ago who might be watching the moon crawl before the sun, wondering at the darkness that is falling, wondering about God's order, God's promised order that the sun comes up and it goes across the sky and it sets and it comes up again no matter how bad the day has been. This is out of order. What is happening? And you watch it and more. You better not watch it. Special sunglasses even 2,000 years ago. And moving and moving and smaller shred and the world goes dark and the crickets are chirping. What world are you in now? Will it release? And something magnificent happens in that darkness. Only by the darkness do you see the beautiful corona, the crown of light that encircles that eclipse. Far from blotting out the sun, the dark moon has in fact revealed its glory and its crown. Sometimes only by the darkness falling do we see the light that shines so brightly. Jacob, when he is sleeping, what does he see in the darkness? But this beautiful ladder, this staircase, I imagine it glowing. I imagine it radiant like fire. 
still all the way to the top. Like, could you even see the top and all the way down to the ground, to the holy earth that he was laying on? In his sleep, in the darkness, his eyes closed. God could reach him. God is not so weak or powerless that God can be short-circuited by one man's violence or vengeance or foolishness. God is still at work in the world and God still shines through that darkness. In Charlottesville, we got a pretty good look at that darkness. We got to see Nazi flags, swastikas, KKK, mixed with red hats. We got to hear very, very angry words, sea violence, people clashing. The first that I heard of it was a tweet from Reverend Tracy Blackman. They've surrounded the church, the tweet said. They're not letting us out. The police are all around. This might be a new experience for some of us, but for others, this is an experience that happens all too much. As a clergy person, I was so heartened by the work of the clergy that day that they gathered and they held hands and they faced down men who threw bottles of urine and used Confederate flags as spears. And they sang. <laughs> they sang against that darkness. I remember being at Standing Rock. There were 500 of us clergy that day that we were all invited to come and make witness and pray. And we gathered in the early morning light by the fire, and I'll tell you, the smell of the native fires were there's just nothing quite like it. I, and I, I smelled that in the air. And we were smudged as we walked out towards the barricades that the police had erected. The smoke, big smudges as we walked together. And there were 500 clergy plus on the move in stoles, in robes. Can you imagine what a sight we were? I don't know if anybody saw this in TV or photographs. And as we're walking, a kind of a murmur went up among us all. We should be singing. We are making witness here. We are the staircase. We are the corona. God is the light and will not be quenched and will not be blotted out. And right now in the darkness, you need to see that more than ever. And so we did. We began to sing. Dona. No pachem, pachem. Dona nobis pachem. Dona nobis pachem. 
that means grant us peace. We are the people of that lit staircase. Our sins, our past transgressions, our hopes, and our innocence do not excuse us in any way from doing the work of God in the world right now. As I said last week, we have to help carry that load, though we are not in Charlottesville. Many of us know folks who carry deep racism in their hearts. We have to help carry that burden. When the moon moves across the sun, what happens next? It moves back. And as it does, we have the opportunity to remember and be transformed by our witness of the darkness by choosing differently now. Wherever we have been in this conversation, choose differently now. Choose love and light. It's not enough not to be racist. We must be anti-racist. I don't mean anti-fascist. There's a lot of loadedness around that. I mean actively work against racism. Remember Acts? Uh, In Acts, Paul and um, uh, it's not Paul, the very first Acts communities, everybody held everything in common. Now when we tell that story, we tell that story about money that they all held money in common. But we have to do more than that as Christians. We have to hold our communities and our burdens and our each other in common. There are people in our country, in our communities and in our families that need us to help them carry that burden. The burden of racism, the burden of cultural transformation, the burden of evangelism, It can be hard sometimes to spread the good news. I'm not sure where you are in your journey, but where you're starting from right now is okay. Let's just get started. If you have done a tremendous amount of work already, you're going to be a great blessing and a great help to others who are just getting started. If you are weary, maybe for a little while, you could get to rest. We are God's body on earth. We are God's people on earth. Do not minimize the power that God gives you, your feet, your knees, your ankles, your hands, your bodies. You can and are the difference in the world. When we marched in Standing Rock, I know we made a difference. That witness went out all the corners of the world. We didn't tear down the barricades, but we made known the direction that God was drawing all God's people to the light, to the ladder. Jacob, get up. And Jacob says, wow, I didn't even know God was in this place. News alert, God is in this place. 
This ground is holy. Every time you have a holy conversation with somebody, you're making holy ground. Go out and make holy ground all over this place, all over this world. Let's have a holy world and let's make holy ground. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. We sing next, but I'm going to need a minute. Can we just have a few minutes of quiet?